to Adjusted Reality, a podcast series trusted by the adjusted and brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress, where we learn from athletes, celebrities, influencers, and healthcare professionals about how to optimize health in a fun, relatable way. Join me, Dr. Sherry McAllister, as I speak with Brent Sopel about the road that led him to creating the YouTube documentary, Here to Change the World. Brent Sopel is a former professional hockey player who played in the National Hockey League from 1996 to 2011, winning the Stanley Cup championship with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010. Brent's daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia in 2015, and shortly thereafter, Brent discovered that he too had dyslexia. Brent's struggle with dyslexia inspired him to launch the Brent Sopel Foundation, an organization committed to broaden dyslexia awareness and provide financial and educational support to those with dyslexia and their families. I'm very excited to have you on, Brent. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Fantastic. And it's always really exciting to hear that being in the NHL is not your entire life. And you have to have that life after being a uh, hockey player. And you've done so much since you've left hockey. But I wanted to ask you where we start right off the bat. You created that documentary on YouTube called Here to Change the World. Tell me about your mission behind creating that documentary. You know, I've, I've believed that for, for many, many years. And so that's why, um, that's why I called it that, you know, you, you talked about life after hockey and that's, um, I, that's the legacy that I want to leave behind is, you know, is my foundation you know, dyslexia, uh, isn't talked about enough. So I'm trying to bring it to the forefront and, you know, one of my taglines, I never want a kid to feel uh way I do every single day. That is a, an immensely important thing. And I, I read that you had won the Fred Hume Award for Unsung Hero. And that was voted for by the Vancouver Connects Booster Club. And, and I really think that what you just said is that unsung hero moment. It's being able to impact other people's lives and really look for a way to make the world a better place. Let's go back to since you were diagnosed with dyslexia. How, in fact, did that impact your life? Uh, it took a while for it to impact it. You know, uh, to me immediately. Um, obviously, got my daughter tested, and that's that's where I found out. So my focus went strictly on her. Uh, you know, I was still playing hockey, so I wasn't worried about um, myself being diagnosed. I didn't it just kind of went in one ear out the other, and I uh, was focused on my daughter and making sure she was getting the things that she did uh, needed so she wouldn't end up like me and feeling uh, the way I did. So it was probably eight or nine years after uh, game of hockey ended and got sober when I had to uh, kind of figure out who I was and what I was about and be okay with, uh, with what I do and how I learn and who I am as a person. And um, in turn, that's where the foundation you know, came, came into play um, just because it took me almost 40 years to really figure out um, what I'm about. It's really important that we do figure out when there's, when there's things going on and oftentimes we can't recognize it right in yourself is we'll do for others, what we won't do for ourselves. And that's definitely the case that happened for you. 
And I'm sure that when the light came on and you thought, you know, there is something going on here and I too need to start to help myself. Um, hockey's a rough, rough game. There's many injuries. There's a lot of, of um, alcohol and drug use as well. Tell us a little bit about that because your history uh, being involved with the NHL has spanned many, many years. And not only that, you're at a very, very high level. I mean, you are peak performance for a number of different teams uh, for quite a long time. But tell, tell me a little bit about your life as an NHL player. Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a different world. You know, it's, you've got 20,000, 25,000 people watching every move you make. Um, the pressures that go into it, uh, and, you know, it's tough to, tough to relate it to somebody who's never, you know, never been there. Um, you know, the anxiety, everything that goes with it, and then the injuries that you talked about. Um, mm -hmm. They don't care who you are, you're a piece of meat to them. So um, if you want to stay around, you got to play injured. And, you know, if you if you're not playing, somebody could come take your spot. And it's uh, it's a game of hockey. Uh, there wasn't a day where I felt comfortable in the NHL that somebody wasn't going to steal my job. So the pressures that go into it and then, you know, drug and alcohol um, become a big factor in it because of the injuries, the travel, um, everything. It's just not mass on top of each other and top of each other and, uh, you know, finding the old kettle boils and it's ugly. Let's talk about and dive into that moment. So you're using more and more alcohol. You're starting to do some, um, a variety of, of different drugs to kind of keep you on track because the pressure is immense. The injuries are serious in many cases. Did you ever think of yourself as an abuser? No, um, never, never did. Um, you've got to be, you've got to be in a different place and, you know, you got to be in a right frame of mind to understand where you are. And, I never did that while I played hockey. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an important, another, another piece to the puzzle, especially, you know, you're recognizing that you have dyslexia. How does that play in your life? You have, a, you know, a sincere amount of pressure on you and then the injuries and, you know, you're out there doing the best you can, but the body's being, really manipulated in, in ways that many will never understand being hit against the boards over and over. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of roughness in hockey. Tell us about some of the injuries you sustained. Yeah. Um, again, I played, ended up playing 18 years pro. So I broke him, you know, I got two screws in my hand, you know, as far as I could turn my wrist, I get screws and uh, this elbow with a plate broke my kneecap and broke my hand you know, 25 times dislocations, uh, both shoulder separations, the list just goes on, you know, on and on knee surgery. Um, my back would go out of place. So I played probably 50 games with my back out of place. Teeth. And when, it, I imagine as you go through these injuries, the first thing that's on your mind is how long will I be out for? You know, I, every bone I broke in hockey, I finished the game. Wow. <laughs> See, that's impressive. Um, <laughs> A lot of athletes will tell me, especially when they're at the elite level that you are, is you just know you have a job to do and you got to do the job. And many will. I've, I've seen marathons end with the person literally having broke their uh, tibia and still finishing at the, at the finish line. And I can't even imagine that kind of pain and discomfort. And 
there's probably a pretty good team behind you. Have have you had some pretty good experiences where you could say to someone, you know, if you injure, for example, you said you're back many, many times being on the ice, what were some of the things that you actually did to assist you in being able to get on the ice with, you know, a, a back that's not right? Yeah, the back, uh, the back's the worst part. Uh, the body, you know, separating shoulders or broken fingers, it was no big deal, but the back obviously never was fun. You know, obviously chiropractor was a, you know, was a big thing in my life. Um, Cause you know, we're on the road, we're traveling, you're all, we're always at a bent position, we're sitting, you know, so uh, to try and keep my body aligned, uh, um, try to do that as much as I can. I always had a stimulant, I got my own stimulant that I carry with me. Mm-hmm. You know, just things that, you know, people would never understand, you know, to be able to have to do that on a daily basis. And I got a cane in my house. Um, you know, just things that, you know, you think are only TVs and movies, but that, you know, that was reality um, to play as long as I did. Uh, I paid the price. You did. Um, I can say after speaking to several athletes in both football and hockey is the longer you play, the greater the chance is that the chronic pain is going to set in. And that's obviously one of the pieces that professional sports does do. And I remember a quote that Jerry Rice said, speaking of balance, he said, I would have quit uh, playing football if I didn't have a chiropractor because um, it would have ended my my career early. I just needed to get back in balance and being able to run run with fear, I think, is, is what his yeah. thought process was there. If I can run fast, no one can catch me, therefore I won't get hurt. But hockey's a whole different um, sport with that. Um, when you are going back and learning more about your daughter's dyslexia, let's just jump back to that time. What were some of the things that you were noticing in yourself that you started to see in your daughter? You know, at, at that time, I, you know, I'm, I, now I notice everything, you know, back then, um, I was still playing hockey, lost to myself. And, you know, at, at that young age, it's, you know, they're not, they don't have the emotional um, capabilities that they do at this age. You know, she's now 19, so mm-hmm. um, things stand out more. Uh, being that she's that much more mature. So again, it was just you know the simple struggling of reading. You know, there's no comprehension, um, but it's exactly like you know to a T myself. Mm-hmm. So I always say, you know, if you're blind, you get more help than a dyslexic. Interesting point. You're right, because it is very difficult for people to physically see an injury, right? Physically see something that is slowing your progress down. And from what I understand, working through dyslexia and trying to get better is one of the basic keys to ensuring that um, people really do recognize and understand this. And I think, like you said in your documentary, that really it's about educating first. You, if people don't understand what it is, and especially if you're telling a, a teacher that may have never had contact with someone who's had dyslexia before, they're not going to really fully appreciate how difficult it is in the learning process. Tell me, what was the, once you recognized you had dyslexia, what were some of the things and steps that that you put yourself through to engage a, um, a healing process of learning what it was and then how to deal with it? You know, it's, um, 
I didn't really do that because my wounds are open still from <laughs> all those years, you know, so we're born off the right brain wired differently. So when we grab that very first book, when you're one, two, whatever it is, that's when you start struggling. Mm-hmm. So for 32 years, I thought I was dumb and stupid. And, you know, so that wound is, you know, was always wide open and that's why I do what I do. So, you know, dyslexics are always going to have um, bad days, mm-hmm. but if, you know, the earlier we can catch it, the less they are. So, you know, um, <clears throat> I didn't dive into it. Uh, I had to get sober to, to kind of understand with it. And I still don't, I still haven't de- kind of dove back into it. Like you're saying, uh, because of the pain that I have, you know, I know how to, uh, manage, I know how to do my, uh, make, you know, certain things. I am who I am now and I just can't physically go back into, into open those wounds again. And then, you know, that's just why I do. So those kids don't end up having the wounds that I do. I thought it was beautiful because in the documentary, you saw how you really did change the world for the youth. And you're right. If, if there's something going on and it's not caught, the wounds are real. And that's where you are is they're still raw and they're still there. And the punishment you put yourself through, because you know, the, the worst thing a child can think is they're stupid um, and they're not worthy because it, it, it's a host of all of those confident building factors of can I take it on? And the beauty was you took it on when you put your skates on. And that was probably one of the outlets that you had to get rid of some of that self-confidence issues because when you were on the ice, you were amazing. And the confidence level was real. Tell me a little bit about how hockey actually brought your life to a new level in that area. Yeah. You know, I always say, you know, for dyslexics, you know, we go to school and our self-esteem just goes down for eight hours because we can't do the simple thing like everybody else. So um, when you walk out of there, you, you have nothing in your tank and uh, whatever sport that, you know, that, that individual is going to play or um, drama class or, or a musician, it's, it's not that it's your self-esteem. You know, that in hockey, it wasn't hockey to me. You know, I was just building my self-esteem. I build myself back up. Mm-hmm. It's a very common theme that I think people start to recognize when they see challenges that are put forth and the past history that we go through. And to reflect that what you had then doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be what is going to happen for your future. And you changed your daughter's life by recognizing how difficult it was to sit those eight hours through. And then the blessing of hockey to be able to build the balance back up because some, some children out there that are in fact suffering with dyslexia, they never get that chance to put those skates on. And in fact, it just gets worse and worse for them because no one's recognizing the educational challenges that they're having. Their self-esteem is falling more and more. And then, of course, they enter into the drug and alcohol world, which for most is is a very, very difficult time and trying to get out of that alcohol and drug addiction and recover and begin to help others. You've done a lot of service to the community because you've had the experiences that you have. Can you share a little bit about some of the finer moments as you were doing service to others? Yeah, you know, um, Everything is self-esteem. I don't care what, who you are, what you are. If you don't have that, you're nothing. You know, so for, for the dyslexic, you talk about drugs and alcohol. 
it was easier for us to do that than not. Mm-hmm. You know, it was easier us to do the bad thing than then than turn to the other way. It's because that's all we've known our whole lives. You know, so some people never get out of that. It's you can't you can't face reality of what that pain is. And um that's why I do what I do. So we can, you know, the quicker we catch it, less we go down that road. But it took, it took me down that road. I'm lucky I'm out of that road. Um, lucky to be alive with, with what I was doing and um, with a lot of different, a lot of scary places. But I had to be okay with who I, at the end of the day, I had to be okay with who I was. And, um, you know, it took me 40 years to go to rehab. It didn't, didn't take me overnight to fix it. Mm-hmm. Is there a story as you've been on the road, Brent, that, that made you step back and went, wow, that was really, really powerful that you could share with us that, you know, the, the average person understands being a volunteer and doing service and trying to help others, but, but you literally are the unsung hero. There's a lot of people out there that don't know how many lives you've touched and how you've been involved in so many organizations to, number one, obviously, uh, help the youth with their confidence levels to ensure they that they don't go back down that path of alcohol and drug addiction because you're right it is a long journey and it's a difficult journey is there a story that you could think of that that particularly stopped you in your track and said you know i cannot stop because it's that story that keeps me going you know there's there's thousands, you know, um, I put myself out, I got a platform and, you know, I put people in rehab that I don't know, you know, if they're, they're strong enough to, to reach out to me, there's a reason why, you know, um, that's a life. So do what I can, whenever I can, however I can. And, you know, um, that's, that's my purpose. Take care of the people, uh, you know, what you want to be taken care of. And God has showed me what my purpose is and, you know, is it easy some days? No, but life right. isn't, you know, but that life is important too. It is. It's, it's my GPS. It's the G st- stands for growth. How do we get, how do we grow ourselves? Because what we grow through helps us help others. And then there's that passion for what you do. And you clearly, Brent, have a passion for helping people. And that service, that last S in the GPS is the service that we do to others. Because there's a a very important quote that um, brings up happiness and um, to create a environment of happiness means you have to give to others more so than oftentimes you give to yourself to find that true happiness. When you just look back over time and you see how your daughter was caught more or less earlier than clearly you were, how has that impact knowing, and I don't, I don't know how, how did she end up being finally diagnosed? Was it a, was it um, a testing? Was it a teacher? Was, what was the um, initial reason for the, um, uh, clinical review of her. Oh, um, you know, my wife at that time, you know, saw me struggling and said, Oh, <laughs> this sounds familiar. You know, um, we took her in to get her, get the neuropsych and that's how, you know, um, we got to where we are today. So, you know, she saw me struggle, knew there was something there and just kind of connected the dots with, you know, with my daughter and, uh, you know, took her in and, and got her tested, um, you know, through the school's, it's hard to get tested. Um, right. It's there's money involved, and 
A lot of schools won't uh, recognize it. There's a lot of teachers don't even know what it is to be able to recognize it. So um, there's, there's dyslexic tests out there, you know, 10 questions, but I, I don't like that. I like the full, the full neuropsych. Let's find out exactly what's going on. You know, 30% of uh, ADHD too. What, you know, what are we dealing with? You know, the younger we find that out, the better, you know, that kid's going to be. So important. Well said that if you have concerns, get the testing done. We all have Google available to us now. Most of us will use it more than we should. And it's important to start recognizing the signs and symptoms and not shy away, but walk into this and figure out the the, uh, ramifications, if not treated. And also for those that are really struggling with this, how they can build better opportunities for them ahead. And that's really, I think, how you saw changing the world and why you did the documentary. But let me ask you this. What does run to that person mean to you? And how do do you think our audience could understand the importance of the next steps in learning? Um, What that means to me, honestly, means stop. You know, you can't run to somebody else so you're okay with yourself. Well said. And most people aren't okay with themselves. So when they get to that individual, they're not fully there. And I'm sure and appreciate that when you started to see how the challenges of dyslexia had impacted your life. And now that you recognize a lot more and you've been well-educated in this, you know, your whole health revolves around the pieces that you bring to it. How do you increase your awareness? How do you treat your body when it's injured? How do you treat your mind when it's injured? And bringing these pieces together to really have a successful and uh, clearly the journey of trying to attain the best life we can with the best quality of life we can. And it's reaching out and doing what the Brent Sopel Foundation has done, which is first and foremost, educate. Brent, I sincerely want to thank you because you're touching lives all over the world. And you're bringing awareness not only to the injuries sustained and the balance and mobility and flexibility that comes with having a professional career in in the NHL and how you've continued to manage and function and build a better life for people around you, but the importance of looking at things, standing back and trying to help others is such an incredibly powerful part of where we are today and how we can really make the world a better place. So thank you on behalf of our foundation to yours. It's a pleasure to have you today. And we look forward to keeping a close eye on the experiences and the way you are changing the world. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And it's always a pleasure to talk to well-educated individuals in this, you know, in this platform. Thank you, Brent. I want to thank you for tuning in to Adjusted Reality as we spoke to Brent Sobel about his healing that had to take place with playing in the NHL for so many years, the injuries he sustained, where chiropractic kept him on the ice, as back pain was one of the worst injuries to try to keep playing with, the recovery that he went through. And after all those years of knowing, of not actually recognizing he was dyslexic. 
how dyslexia impacted his life and led him to creating the YouTube documentary, Here to Change the World. This podcast was brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress. As a special gift for listening today, you can visit f4cp.org slash health to get a copy of our Mind, Body, Spirit ebook, which focuses on many ways to optimize your health and the ones you love without the use of drugs or surgery. Don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with family and friends, rate and review. If you're feeling inspired to learn more about chiropractic or find a doctor of chiropractic near you, visit f4cp.org slash find a doctor. We appreciate your support and look forward to checking in with you again soon.